Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this one today. This is kind of an in-between episode, kind of a bonus episode of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Uh, I've been putting out uh, some things about my books and taking a break from interviews for a bit. They are going to come back soon. But today, uh, I wanted to share with you a message that I preached at Prairie Presbyterian Church this past weekend. I talked about the book of Ruth and about these two strong, amazing women that have their story told in that book about Naomi and Ruth. Um, the message, you know, I usually really know where I'm going with my sermons And this Sunday, uh, I didn't quite know exactly what the sermon was about. Um, So I'm not doing a very good selling job. Like, why would you listen to a sermon that uh, where I didn't even know what it was about? Um, But I'd love you to stick with it and and give this one a a chance because um, I think this I think the sermon ended up being about uh, refugees and. Uh, immigration and difference and and people coming from other countries and being vulnerable and also about how that's particularly hard for women uh, in those kinds of situations and then what is our calling as people of faith uh, in how we respond and the book of Ruth Ruth chapter 1 and chapter 2 are where I focus in this sermon, I think it has a lot to say about this if we really get what is going on in this story. Um, And I start off this sermon by saying, I don't really relate to this story very well, and it's a real challenge to bring a message about a story that I feel like I don't really relate to. Um, But then, then again, maybe... Maybe that's how how people sometimes come to the Bible, where they read something and I think I I don't I don't relate to this. This doesn't really say anything to me. So maybe that's a good experience as a preacher to to kind of come at a text and and think ah uh, this doesn't this doesn't jive with my life. I, this doesn't fit with with me. I don't I don't really relate to it. Um, and that's where I began this sermon. Uh, it was recorded on a phone, so the audio quality is not necessarily great. We we just we do Facebook Live, uh, not every week, but most weeks we do Facebook Live just off my phone directly to our Facebook page for the church, and um, we're having some technical issues lately, so it got uh, the the beginning of the sermon got cut off. Uh, so you're just gonna join partway, but I didn't really miss very much. So if you get an opportunity, if you want to stop and go and read Ruth chapter one, uh, you can do that. But I'll try and uh, just sort of recap basically what the story is. So Naomi is uh, married uh, and there's a famine in Israel and she and her husband and her two boys, they head off to Moab and when they get there, Naomi's husband dies. Uh, they spend 10 years in Moab. The boys grow up and they mar- get married there to two, uh, two different women, Orpah and Ruth. And then the sons die. So you've got um, 
Naomi and Ruth and Orpah left and the the famine is over in Israel and Naomi heads on back to Israel. Um, She starts traveling, but then she says to Orpah and Naomi, you know, go back. There's no way that I can provide uh, for you. And um, I can't provide sons, uh, husbands for you. So you should go home. Orpah goes home. Ruth, she... Uh, says her uh, famous lines about uh, sticking with Naomi and going home with her and says, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Um, You know, wherever you go, I will go, and I will even die where you die and uh, just stick with you forever. Uh, And um, Naomi sees that she's determined and then says, okay, you can come with me. And so Naomi and Ruth return to Israel and uh, they get there, and they're they're in poverty, right? They don't have anything. Um, but the the end of chapter one, which is where where I'm going to stop here with the summary, the end of chapter one has uh, it just kind of says they they arrived in Bethlehem, which is where they were from, uh, just as the barley harvest was beginning, and then it goes into chapter two where uh, Ruth goes out to to gather behind the workers, glean in the fields as the is is the term so she goes out to to glean in the fields behind the workers to collect up uh the leftovers Um, but we'll hear about that a little bit in this uh, sermon uh which uh, i'm going to share with you now so i hope this is helpful for you especially if uh if you've been troubled or trying to think through um what it means for christians to welcome to befriend uh, those who are coming into Canada or the U.S. or wherever you are in the world, people who are foreign to you coming into your country. And that's just a major thing that's happening throughout the world. Uh, What is the Christian response? And I think this story has something to tell us. So here goes. She's desperate to leave her homeland because they can't get enough to eat. And so off she goes, and they get there, and her husband dies. It's tragic. Her sons get married in that country, live there for 10 years, and then her sons die. And part of me is, this, this is maybe why I, why I have trouble relating to it. I have not seen that kind of tragedy in my life. Maybe some of you have had that level of tragedy in your life. Your spouse dies and then your two children. This is is pretty desperate, isn't it? And it's even more desperate in the ancient world because widows had no way of providing for themselves. So back then, if your husband died, you were automatically poor. you would have to beg, likely, for the rest of your life. At least if you had sons and a widow, then you had someone who could provide for you. But her only sons die. And so now there's three widows living together. So they're triply poor. 
She decides to go home because the famine is over. At least I can be in my homeland, not in this other place that I don't fully understand. Some of you may relate to that, coming from another country and it not necessarily being what you expected it would be. So she ends up going home after really losing everything. Maybe, at least in her homeland, someone will have compassion for her. She'll figure out how she can find a place. And it starts off, her two daughters-in-law go with her, but eventually Naomi says, no, you can't, you can't come with me. There's no way for me to provide for you. That's what this whole conversation about, I'm too old to, have, to be married and have sons. That's about providing for, right? There's no, that's her only means that she can think of that she would be able to provide for these two women is if she could find husbands for them. Because that's how things worked in the ancient world. So she says, no, you, you just can't come with me. Orpah listens to her and heads home. Ruth says, absolutely not. I'm staying with you, no matter what. And then off they go. Now they get into town in Bethlehem and the text says the whole town was stirred because of them. And it says the women said, is that Naomi? It, that's, that's kind of like, you've got to read between the lines here, right? The whole town is stirred because here is this woman who left with a husband and two sons, and she returns with a foreigner. Another woman. What is going on? Where's the husband? Where are the sons? She returns completely poor. Is this Naomi? And Naomi, uh, the, the name Naomi means pleasant, means happy. And Naomi, this is where Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore, call me Mara, which means bitter. She says, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Because she's a bitter woman now. Just imagine that in the town, everybody's whispering. Not just about Naomi's bad situation and feeling bad for her. Like, I think when we as good Christian people read a story like this, we think the town being stirred and the people whispering, is this Naomi? We think that automatically, we think about that in terms of compassion. We think about that in terms of, oh, we, we would feel so bad for Naomi. But actually, would we? And, and would they in that time and place, and would the average person in Canada where someone comes back and they're coming in with someone from a foreign country and they're coming going, we have no way of making a living, we have no way of contributing to our society, but we're here. Do we respond with compassion to the foreigner? comes for Naomi but also for Ruth so you left with money Naomi but not a lot of food and now you've come back as a freeloader with a foreign freeloader 
if we can relate to this story because we might, some of us might be more the townspeople than we are Naomi or Ruth. This might be the story that's going around town is, is this Naomi? She's with, she's with a Moabite. And actually, if you go back in the history, Moab was an enemy of Israel. Right? So, so this isn't as simple as, oh, someone's come from Grand Forks to Winnipeg. Right? This is someone has come from Iraq to Washington, D.C. Like that, that's what it is. It's a, it's what who people see as enemies. Naomi is accompanied by a Moabite. I want to read to you from uh, the second chapter of Ruth. So we just heard the first chapter, and you heard in the children's time a little bit about uh, the rest of the story. But I want to read to you this. Um, from Ruth 2, chapter 2 to 17. And uh, we'll maybe stop along the way a little bit. So Ruth the Moabite said, and the, the text actually, now that I've given you this, this kind of information about maybe people are kind of looking at uh, Ruth as, oh, a Moabite has come and is living among us, you'll notice that in the text, things like uh, Moabite will start to pop out at you. Right? So even the way the story is told. So starting here, and Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young, to, who does that young woman belong to? This should strike as a, as a very strange question in today's world, but as a very normal question back then. Who does she belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab, which seems obvious, with Naomi. And she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. Because if he didn't tell them that, what would they do? That still happens today to women who are in vulnerable positions, who are on their own, having to make their way in a foreign country. So he says, don't, don't go work in another field. Work in my field because you'll be protected. I've told my men not to lay a hand on you. Work with the women who are the workers here. You'll be safe. So doubly protected. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face 
to the ground. Because imagine that offer. Imagine what she's receiving here. She bows down with her face to the ground and she asks, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland, and you came to live with the people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. See, so Boaz sees Ruth and sees her story and understands, and he sees himself as serving the God who she is coming under his wings for refuge. So Boaz acts accordingly. We continue, uh, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of any one of your servants. Or slaves, if you want to put that word in there. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain, and she ate all she wanted and had some left over. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and do not reprimand her. So in other words, don't, don't just let her go through the, em the empty field with the leftovers, but right in the middle of the sheaves. She can, she can go anywhere in the field. And even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles that have already been harvested. The bundles are the things that have already been harvested. Pull some stuff out of there and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Because that would essentially be illegal. And so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, and then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah, which, if you do the calculation, is actually about 30 pounds of barley. That's actually a lot of barley. So, you see what's going on in this story? You see what's going on in this story? Naomi and Ruth come back from Moab to Bethlehem, and the town is stirred, and they're saying, there's a Moabite from Moab here. But Boaz, here's her story, and tries to figure out how can I understand and how, what do I have at my disposal to be able to protect and help this woman? And I wish I had related to this story better. Right? Because if I should and we should 
in Canada, I think read this story and immediately relate to it because we ought to put ourselves in the shoes of Boaz and not the villagers, right? We ought to immediately go, oh yeah, that's just like my friend who moved here from wherever two years ago and we helped them out. Uh, we had, uh, a few weeks ago, we did have friends here worshipping with us from Lighthouse Church. And Ibrahim, uh, Pastor Ibrahim, and his wife Phoebe spoke about the welcome that they received from some of the people who were part of this congregation. And I was kind of blown away, actually, by the story that he told, remembering meeting them at the airport and, and helping them out when they first arrived here. And we did some little things, what we thought were pretty small things, but that made a huge impact in their lives. Because for them, it was a massive life transition, coming from Jordan and moving here to Winnipeg. And for us, it was, well, we'll lend them some toys and we'll find them a bed and that kind of thing. Right? Because in this story, it's the same thing. For Boaz, it's just, he's got bundles and bundles of grain. He's got some workers that he could say, no, 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 don't ever touch that woman. She's protected, and we're going to give her some grain. Now, yes, they get married. You know, there's a, there's a whole other big story here that happens. But at the beginning of the story, it's actually pretty small stuff that Boaz does. But it's this small stuff that causes Ruth to fall down with her face to the ground and say, what is it that has caused you to have mercy on me, a foreigner? That's how we are called to be as Christians in our world today. One last thing that we can take from this story. And this goes with what we shared with the children today. Ruth, this Moabite from Moab, this poverty-stricken and vulnerable woman, is the reason we have a King David and a Messiah that comes from that line. See, God, it's not just about our responsibility to one another, but God loves turning the lives of these people around, right? God loves this story, I think, because of what God weaves in this story. God loves choosing the disenfranchised, the poor, the underdog, right? Think about the women that God uses in Scripture for his incredible purposes. This is really a precursor. We're going to get into Advent and then into Christmas, and we'll hear of another young woman who God chose to do, to save the world, right? Mary carries Jesus into this world, another unexpected woman who called herself the lowliest of servants. And God turns her life around through the birth of her son, Jesus. I mean, God is interested in 
the, the people who are struggling and then turning that around. Sometimes in this generation, but sometimes in the next or the next or the next, the great-grandmother of King David. So I think maybe there's two ways that we could relate to this. We could say, let's be Boaz in this story. But some of us in this room might be thinking, I can't be Boaz because I'm Ruth. And, and the good news in this story is look at what God does for Ruth. It's a, it's a way of telling this story that, that encapsulates the kind of God that God is, that transforms lives, picks people up from the dust, and brings them the hope of new life. In the end, this is a great story of hope for those who feel like they've lost everything, for Naomi and for Ruth. So however you relate to this story, whether it's Boaz or Ruth, or maybe you've been convicted to think, oh, I'm like the villagers whispering. I encourage you to reflect on that, to take that with you today, and think about how you might live differently because of it. Amen. Amen.